You're listening to In the Studio with Michael Card. The session is made possible by our friends with the Christian Standard Bible. Learn about this new translation and the many ways you can enjoy the CSB. Explore online when you visit csbible.com. Great to be with you again in the studio with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepard. Michael, our producer, Joe Carlson, was sharing the numbers with me. We're getting a growing number of people listening to this podcast. I've never been much of a numbers guy. You know, I do what I do. Whether, you know, if there's five people listening or 5,000, I don't, I don't know, on radio. But yeah. uh, it is exciting to know that there's a growing number of people who are finding this podcast. Yeah, well, I'm I'm the opposite of you, Wayne. The more people that listen to it, the more encouraged encouraged okay, I am. Right. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's good. That, it's good that both of us, okay, both well, of us are doing this. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we balance each other out, right? Okay, yes. All right. Yeah. Hey, this is going to be fun. We're we're entering into the Christmas season, and we're going to go back. We're going to reach back to the very first program that we did together. It was uh, called Joy in the Journey at that time. Yeah. Yep. With Doctor Bill Lane. Uh, yeah, boy, this man meant the world to you, didn't he? Yeah, and I can't wait to hear just to hear Bill's voice again. But he and he loved. Uh, it was kind of a stretch for him. It, he loved coming into the studio and being interviewed and and uh, and and presenting. Uh-huh. And and, uh, and the the other person we're going to have on the show today is is another sort of devotee of Bill, like I was. Uh, uh, Dr. George Guthrie, and George will tell you that Bill had a huge impact on his life as well. Okay, all right. Uh, you and George were both students of Bill Lane? Well, I, I was. I don't think George was, but George read his books, and w- the thing that happened fairly early in George's uh, career as a scholar is that Bill actually quoted from one of his books, and that just that w- meant everything to George. Okay, yeah, yeah right. Well, we're going to hear from George Guthrie in just a moment here in the studio. Yeah. And George is the author of the featured resource this month. I, I say the author. It's a Bible. It's the chronological day-by-day Bible from CSB. And we'll say more about that later. But uh, in light of that uh, chronological Bible, let's ask you to sing this song, The Book. Joining you is Shanoa Murphy and Ken Lewis, The Book. of prophets in their fiery words and rhymes in the pages of the patriarchs we can read on every line of the kindness of commandments and of all he undertook that before we called he answered us in the pages of the book
of the meaning of love. To the call and the command Hold a vast and priceless treasure In the palm of just one hand And no true transformation As you take it up and look At the flesh and bone and blood of truth In the pages of the book And the pages of the book Are turned with trembling awe As we witness wonders there That only faithful saw Of the meaning of the book Yes, we only scratch the surface Of the meaning of the book Michael, Shanoa, and Ken all together on the book. Hey, we've placed a telephone call to one of our favorite people, Michael. He is Dr. George Guthrie. He is in a place where you're a little jealous right now, aren't you? I, I'm, uh, I'm having to be real careful to not, uh, to not have my nose out of the joint. George is at Cambridge working at, on two books at the same time. And uh, I can't imagine what it would be like to be there working on a book and not being interrupted and, you know... So, uh, but I'm glad that you have this time, this uninterrupted time in this beautiful place. No, you're place. not. No, you're I'm, not. You... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mike, I wish you were here with me. Um, oh. Oh, we, we would have a good time. Uh, so we're, we're in Cambridge. I'm on a research leave oh. for this term and uh, working on a, a couple of books. I'm working on a book on how to read the Bible better and then another one on the theology of the book of Hebrews. So wow. this is a wonderful place to do it, wonderful uh, context for the history of Christianity right here in Cambridge. Well, we've all been appreciating your uh, chronological Bible and uh, the, all the work that you've done, and of course, well, we appreciate your friendship uh, over so many years. Yeah, well, I, I love you guys, and yeah. always good to be on the program. Thank you. You know, it was a little dismaying this year that right after Halloween, excuse me, right after Reformation Day, uh, in America, we turned to Christmas. We seem to skip Thanksgiving altogether. But since we're past Thanksgiving now, I think it's okay to talk about the Incarnation again, Michael, and talk about Christmas. Yeah, and uh, I, I think especially I'd like for us to to understand the the background. Uh, to, you know, some of the, the the genealogical things in Matthew and Luke that sometimes uh, uh, we just read right past. And I know George, you've done some work in that. Yeah, um, I mean, there are so many wonderful parts to the Christmas story, and um, yet Matthew starts with genealogy, which is really interesting. You know, we mm-hmm. uh, don't feel super inspired by genealogy, but boy, there's some, some rich stuff here uh, in Matthew's account. He starts out by saying, an account of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Mm-hmm. And right there, you have one of the reasons why the Incarnation needed to happen. Because God had given promises to Abraham that, that the world would be blessed, all the nations would be blessed through his descendants. And uh, God had made promises to David that one of his children would, would be on the throne, that would be an eternal throne and kingdom. 
And if you think about it, Jesus had to become human to fulfill both of those promises, in a sense. He had to take on human life to be a child of Abraham, to be a son of David, in order to really fulfill uh, God's dream for the world that he had promised uh, these two great leaders of the nation of Israel. So that's a, that's a place to start, right there in the first verse. So is it safe to say if he's not the son of Abraham or the son of David, he can't be the Messiah? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, there was something about it from the very beginning that God knew that he himself would enter human history to fulfill what he had in mind for people. Mm. And that's, a, that's an amazing thing to think about. That, one of the things I've been thinking about is why did Christmas have to happen? You know, mm. Why did the Incarnation have to happen. It's not that God is just kind of uh, coming in the person of His Son, Jesus, and going through the motions to just get to the end and die for our sins. That's a huge part of it. But, but there's so many other uh, bits here in the Scriptures that are just rich that we need to think about deeply. So is part of that his, his role as high priest? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you want me to just kind of click through some of the things I've been thinking about, um, part of this is I've been working on the theology of Hebrews, and so I've been grappling deeply with the deity of Christ, but also um, the humanity of Christ. And mm. and so you have that part of um, needing to, to be a son of Abraham, son of David, in order to fulfill the promises. You do have this idea of uh, the high priesthood of Jesus, um, a high priest, Hebrews 5.1 says, was taken from among the people. If you go back and you look at the Old Testament scriptures, the high priest was taken from among people so that that high priest could identify with them in their weaknesses. Mm. And um, Hebrews 5.1 says that every high priest is taken from among men to offer gifts and sacrifices. And he makes a distinction between a normal high priest and Jesus in that Jesus is the only high priest that never sinned. Uh, the, the regular human high priests sinned, and therefore they could understand that aspect of weakness, but they had to make sacrifices for themselves and the people. But Jesus did not sin. So uh, he had the pull of sin. He was tempted in all things mm-hmm. as we are, but he did not sin himself. So um, he had to become one of us in order to um, be able to understand what it's like to be human, right? And, but at the same time, he's the spotless sacrifice. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and th- that brings us to another reason for the Incarnation. If you, if you stop and think about it, Jesus could not have died unless he had been human. Mm. Now, we, we don't normally think of it like that, mm. but he became both high priest and sacrifice by going through the process of death. And then that brings us to yet another point of the Incarnation, and that is he was able to destroy death from the inside as a human being uh, because he was, he was sinless. And he was the first one to go through the process of resurrection, leading the way for us in resurrection. Mm-hmm. So you have all of these different elements um, that really necessitated Jesus taking on human life um, and, and really experiencing human life in order to 
accomplish putting us back into right relationship with God. So those are just a few of the reasons why the Incarnation needed to happen. So all of those strands from the Hebrew Bible, uh, priesthood, sacrifice, uh, law, all those things really do come together in the Incarnation, don't they, perfectly? Yeah, they really do. Yeah. And then the, the, the kind of topping on the cake, if you will, um, for Hebrews is Psalm 8. If you look at the exaltation of Christ to the right hand of the Father after his resurrection, he fulfills uh, the mandate that was given to Adam in the very beginning to rule over the created order. And Adam blew it because of the fall. But Jesus, because of his resurrection and then being exalted to the right hand of the Father, he is now the Lord of all of the created order, not just the earth, but all of the created order. And he was able to fulfill the mandate that was given to Adam. And he did that. Sometimes people debate about that passage in Hebrews 2, 5-9, about whether when he you know, quotes Psalm 8, is the author primarily talking about human beings in general, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you give thought to him? Or is it Christological? Is he already thinking about Jesus? And I think the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> it's both, because Jesus yeah. is the, the preeminent human being who is able to fulfill that, because he is both man and God. So he was exalted to the right hand of the Father. He is Lord of the entire universe, all of the created order, and is uh, therefore the, the ruler who we now follow as Lord, and that's, that's the idea of Jesus being our Lord, because he's the one who reigns over the entire universe. But he does that as the God-man. Jesus is still incarnate at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. He still is human, as well as God. And that's kind of a mind-blowing thought to, to think about. He is there in his resurrected body uh, at the right hand of the Father. And the foundations for all those things are laid in those genealogies. I mean, Luke's Luke's genealogy in three goes goes to Adam, and then in Matthew we have Abraham and David, and then then we have high priests, and now we have sacrifice. And and moving through the Hebrew Bible, then we have you know the prophets. I mean, Jesus is the prophet likened to Moses. He's 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 all all this. Huh, I don't have words for it. Everything yeah. in the Hebrew Bible comes together perfectly in Him. Yep, and you also have this trajectory in the Hebrew Bible as you move into the prophets, is that original promise to Abraham that God would bless all the nations mm. um, through Abraham's descendants. Um, all of that takes on clarity as you move into the prophets, because now God is saying that His ultimate desire is for his covenant relationship with the Jewish people to be expanded outward to be a blessing to all the nations. And that's Mm -hmm. what you see in the Christmas story. You see that in Matthew, um, in things like the wise men who are Gentiles who have come to worship Jesus. You -hmm. see that in Luke, in Luke's own genealogy, which goes all the way back to Adam and has this vision of, you know, salvation coming for the whole world. And, um, and, and so you see a trajectory that, that when Christ comes, it's not ultimately just uh, for the context of Judaism. It is, is also expanded. It takes up uh, 
the Jewish people in Israel into the, the, the joy of the salvation that the Lord brings His people, but then it's expanding that out to have an impact on the whole world and bring the message of salvation to the whole world. It's a comprehensive vision uh, that is really bound up in this child in the manger in Bethlehem. Well, Simeon sings about it, too, as he's holding Jesus in Luke, right? He's a light to the Gentiles. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. So all of those bits in um, Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, that uh, you start picking up those resonances of that this is ultimately about God's dream, his heart, his, his love for the whole world, that he would be Emmanuel who would be with us. Mm. Um, and if you think about it, everything that happens with this baby Jesus, uh, as he goes through his life, lives a perfect life, dies a sacrificial death, is resurrected, leading uh, the way for us to be resurrected, is exalted to the right hand of the Father, sends the Spirit, so that now we are people who live uh, with the ability to be filled with God's Spirit, to have God's presence uh, right here with us. As 2 Corinthians 6 says, God walks around among us uh, mm. in the New Covenant. Mm. And, and His presence among us as the temple, as the new temple, is, is all uh, what God was putting in motion in the world when um, Jesus became incarnate. And then the, the author of the Gospel of John has all those decades uh, to think about all of these threads coming together, and he opens his Gospel with the Word becoming flesh. It, it, yeah, it's just, absolutely. It's, just so, it's perfect. So beautiful and powerful. Yeah. It really is. Uh, Michael, George, I've been sitting here listening intently to this conversation, and we all enter into the Advent season looking for new ways to understand and, and you know, new ways of worshiping. And, and I, I got to tell you, what you guys just did is going to, it's opening up the, the whole Christmas season for me now to think about these mm. things in a much deeper uh, and richer way. So I, I personally want to thank you. I think our listeners probably have had the same experience just now. So uh, well, that's I hope, wonderful. I hope that was, I hope that was helpful. And yeah. it's not that we're leaving behind all, you know, I love Christmas, of course. the warmth of the season. Yep. It's just such a joy yep. to think about the baby Jesus and all of those things that we associate with it. But it's so much more. We want to go deeper in the Word yeah. so that God is, is uh, teaching us the depths of the truths of Scripture. Beautifully said, And uh, sure. even while we're hanging on to that, uh, the joy that we, we knew as children. And that's, that's the gift that you are to us and to the church, George. You engage, you know, M Bill, Bill Lane was sort of our mentor. Bill talked about engaging with the uh, informed imagination. And you, for me, have, have always been a person that exemplifies that. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I'm a, little, I'm a little miffed that you're in Cambridge, <laughs> but I'm also excited. I'm also excited that you're there working on two new books. Okay, this may really set you off, Michael, but George, are you in Cambridge at Christmas time? We are. That's okay. the plan. Um, if everything goes as planned, our kids are actually coming over oh, to be with us. <laughs> okay. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be dragging a Christmas tree back from the market that's been going on for a thousand years oh. uh, in Cambridge. Um, so I yes, just, I just wanted to hear Michael moan. So. Okay. okay. Hey, we can't be friends anymore. That's it. We can't be friends anymore. <laughs> well, you just ought to come over and, and be here with us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. George, thank you so much. And Michael, I'm going to call an audible here. We're going to switch songs that we had planned 
on uh, asking you to sing from the studio recording list. Okay. We're going to switch to a new and living way. We talked about Hebrews a few moments ago. Good. Yeah. Uh, talk about this song from your CD, uh, Soul Anchor. Well, uh, again, it's uh, it's it's the point of the book of Hebrews. It's it's the incarnation. It's uh, Jesus as um, you know our high priest, as the way, as uh, the one who was resurrected. It's it's all those things wrapped in one person. Yep. It's a new and living way. Thank you, George. Here's Michael Card. There the priest would stand An offering of blood Held out in his hand Before the curtain there He would stand in fright It hung there to hold in the holy To keep in the light a new and living way Through the curtain that was torn The climax of the cross The moment our hope was born By a new and living way And when time was full Another priest came to say Offer forgiveness, for he was the offering he gave. From his sacrifice, from that dark disgrace, came the power to make anywhere a most holy place. A new and living way through the curtain that was of a cross the moment our hope was born by a new and living way a new and living way a new and living way I believe some versions say a better way but a new and living way provided by Jesus that's Michael Card, along with Steve Mikesell playing bass and Paul Eckberg on percussion. Uh, we didn't mention with George the day-by-day chronological Bible that he's poured his life into, and he's not on the line any longer, but this is really our featured resource, and we we think very highly of this, Mike. Yeah, uh, we, they uh, the Holman uh, people did it with this the new CSB translation, and I'm actually holding my copy now and uh, I can't imagine the the work that went into putting this together. You have to like George. You have to have sort of a grasp of the whole Bible to edit together a chronological uh, reading resource like this. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's a great great ministry to the church. I'm holding some listener questions that have come to us as our friends have listened to recent podcasts. This person says, "I was listening to this week's podcast, and you briefly mentioned that a prophet is someone who says what God would say." That is a very deep and powerful meaning I've never heard before. I'd be interested in hearing more about the prophets on the podcast. And if you have resources, that's from Michaela. Yeah, and that, that quote came from Brennan Manning. Brennan used to say that a prophet is a person that says what God would say if he was there. 
and it's a it's a simple um, simple definition. But I mean, what do the prophets say over and over again? Thus saith the Lord, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The words that I'm saying are the words that God gave me to say. So, uh, and and of course, the 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 sad and major theme is that for the most part, people didn't listen to the prophets. They love to listen to the false prophets, <laughs> but uh, all the all the biblical prophets, uh, they were very slow to listen to them. That's a sad thing, isn't it? Any resource to offer to this listener? Oh, there's so many good books on the prophets. Um, um, the kind of the major one on the prophets, Brueggemann. Walter Brueggemann has oh, a book yes, on the prophets yep. that's, uh, that's excellent. And he's also a great, great writer. So yeah, yeah, Brueggemann's book on the prophets is good. Yeah. Here's a listener, Jill, who talks about the podcast where we talked about uh, the Mount of Transfiguration, if both Elijah and Moses were already in heaven, wouldn't they already see God? What about those people in the Old Testament? Did they have to wait until Christ died and rose again, but special circumstances were allowed to Elijah and Moses? Yeah, that, that's not a uh, that's an unanswerable question. I think I think <laughs> okay. what cl- clearly what what happens is provision is made for Elijah and Moses to come and talk to Jesus, and they're talking to Jesus. Especially, I think it says Moses is talking to Jesus about his exodus, about Jesus' exodus, his leaving. Uh, that's that's going to happen really soon. But uh, in terms of being able to put all those pieces together about who can see who and where they are, I, I don't. Uh, uh, apart from saying that a special provision is made and uh, to to encourage Jesus, I think that's what the transfiguration is all about. That sustains him. I mean, imagine talking to Moses and Elijah, and that's right before he leaves for his final journey to Jerusalem. I mean, he's got those conversations. uh, That must have sustained him and encouraged him. I think that's the point. We're going to pause right there as we come to the halfway point of this session. We're grateful for each person who takes the time to contact us. Your encouragement is a great gift, and we hope these weekly sessions are the same for you. No matter where you hear us, help us get the word out about this gathering of like minds by sharing the link for this podcast. We hope you'll share your thoughts on the Michael Card Music Facebook page or reach us directly when you send your comments, questions, or song requests. Our email address is simply studio at michaelcard.com. Again, write to us at studio at michaelcard.com. Our hope is the discussion we've had will prompt you to explore God's Word on your own. Check out the resources we have online to help you go deeper. Michael has several Bible study books, as well as music and news about upcoming Bible conferences there. Explore all that is waiting for you at michaelcard.com. Coming up, a classic session you won't want to miss after this message here in the studio with Michael Card. Michael, this month we're featuring the day-by-day chronological Bible. I'm so glad that we get to feature this important Bible edition from my good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. 
George has been with us many times, and we've appreciated his scholarship and ability to make the Bible understandable. That's why we want to point you to the day-by-day chronological Bible. This study tool combines a daily reading plan with a unique way of tracing the flow of God's action through history. Visit csbible.com and search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible to learn more about this helpful way to get into God's Word as we prepare to start off the new year. When you order, receive your 30% discount on your CSB purchase through Lifeway when you type in the studio as one word in the promotion code. The Christian Standard Bible, scholarly, accurate, readable, current, and a wonderful gift for this time of year. Search for the day-by-day chronological Bible now at csbible.com. Mike, I know how much you miss the presence of Dr. Bill Lane in your life on this earth. Mm. Someday, right? Someday. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's one of the first people, uh, one of the first humans that I want to I connect with. Um, and we, before we uh, recorded this segment, we listened uh, to, to, to the, the segment we're going to play for you. And just to hear his voice... And the precision of his language, mm-hmm. he, he was so clear and precise, and, uh, and he loved you know, being here and sharing with us, yeah. so it's great to hear him again. It was a great privilege for me to have you introduce me to Dr. Bill Lane. Really, I think this may have been the first time in what we're about to hear, so wow. let's, uh, let's go back to the late 1990s now in our conversation about faith with Bill Lane. Let me read a passage from Romans, Romans 3, 22 through 26. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time, so as to be just, and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. We will look carefully at this passage in Romans and a passage in Hebrews about faith as well. But first, uh, your dog Bear has uh, moved conveniently from under the piano, Michael, so that you can sit down there and play us a song. That's what faith must be. Here's Michael Card. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, to be guided by a hand I cannot hold, to trust in a way that I cannot see, that's what faith must be. When the universe fell from his fingertips, he decided he wanted some fellowship. But the man and the woman would not submit So he made a better way When the moment was right, he sent his own son And he opened the way so that everyone Could have hope and believe that when time was done He'd be able to make us one To hear with my heart with my soul to be guided by a hand I cannot hold to trust in a way that I cannot see that's what faith must be now 
I understand that there is a key. It's Jesus in me, a reality. That God is in Christ, and that Christ's in me. That with faith I see what is unseen. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul. To hear with my heart, to see with my soul, that's what faith must be. Michael Card and Bill Lane is with us. So what do you think of when you, I know you've heard Michael sing this song many times. What I appreciate about the song, Wayne, is the fact that it sees both the divine initiative that God took that would have been impossible for us to take, and at the same time, the responsiveness that we can manifest Mm -hmm. uh, to the loving, compassionate heart of God. Well, again, we're going to look deeply into the scriptures in this matter of faith here today with Michael Card. Michael's back uh, in this corner of the studio again with us, opening his Bible, and we hope listeners will open their Bibles as we talk here together. Bill, as you you listen to the passage in Romans, um, what does it say to you, and, and, and in terms of uh, your your own journey, uh, how your journey began. Uh, what does this passage, uh, how does it speak to you? Well, I think, Michael, when people speak about the beginning of a journey with the Lord Jesus, they often think of their personal response to the gospel, whether shared uh, through a pulpit, shared mm-hmm. through a friend, shared, uh, or simply responding to the Word of God. That's where my journey began, you mean, that sort of thing. That's yeah. correct. Uh-huh. And so we say, I accepted Christ on such and such a day. And the focus is rather on what I did. Mm-hmm. The truth of the matter is, the gospel as Paul defines it here, begins with the heart of God. Mm. It is God who took the initiative. It's God who has made known a righteousness that comes apart from the law. It it is God uh, that uh, uh, brought the Lord Jesus into the experience of the human family and made available fellowship with him that simply would have been excluded had we been left to our own resources. Mm -hmm. Christ is that bridge to that righteousness that comes from God. Absolutely. And the truth of the matter is, for many of us, for myself, the, the journey began in crisis where I came to the end of my resources mm-hmm. and cried out to the God I did not know, mm-hmm. why I fragmented my life. Mm-hmm. If you can pick up the pieces and put them together, I'll give my life to you. Mm-hmm. And the amazing thing is that God hears the prayer of a broken heart. Bill, I'd be interested in knowing, were you a young man when that happened? Yes, I had actually been expelled from the university for plagiarism. And my name was posted on a board of dishonor for the period of one year. Mm. It was the responsibility of every man in the university to turn his back upon me. And it was one of the uh, small elitist universities where this actually occurred. Mm. And I came home in the middle of the week to exclaim to my family, I've been expelled uh, for a period of two weeks uh, because I have violated my honor. 
And after I had done that painful uh, task, I went up in my room and literally wept. Mm. I did not know God, but I knew I had fragmented my life. Mm -hmm. And it was in those circumstances that I cried out to God, and God responded by giving me a thirst to pick up the word. Mm. And it was through the Gospels I discovered the person of Jesus. Mm. It was through the book of Acts I discovered the person of the Holy Spirit, and I was soundly converted. Mm. And God gave a thirst for his word that has never been satisfied, Mm -hmm. even though I came to faith 50 years ago. Mm. And Michael, he is the one. God is the one who justifies us uh, through Christ. And I've heard you tell your story so many times, Bill, but in, in the light of this passage and what you just said, I think for the first time I realized that that even though that was the beginning of your journey, in fact, Christ had long ago made everything possible for you to, at that point, you know, come into relationship and find redemption and the grace that uh, has turned your life around. And uh, I've never seen it quite that way before. And in fact, yeah. Michael, I would say I was a stubborn an unusually rebellious young man. Mm. I thought only in terms of myself, mm-hmm. uh, the defending my concerns, uh, my program, and it was God's way of getting my attention. Mm. The marvelous fact was, when confronted with the cross of Christ and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and his exaltation at God's right hand, I knew this was truth. Mm. And that's because God had taken the initiative to take my heart captive to him. Mm -hmm. Michael, did you have this passage in mind when you wrote uh, That's What Faith Must Be? Yeah, that song was on an album that came out of Paul's understanding of uh, or what I what I understood Paul's understanding of faith was and that is uh, the album was called the present reality of mm-hmm. Jesus that is a living out in the present moment a, a walk with Jesus Paul uh, only I think twice speaks of Jesus historically in the past uh, every other reference to Jesus is the present reality of Jesus of, of uh, for me to live is Christ that sort of thing and uh, and I and again, I think uh, the the years that I walked and and spent with Bill helped me to understand that 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 real true faith, biblical faith, is a faith that impacts the present moment. I think a lot of um, some Christians, anyway, seem to always think in terms of past past tense when it comes to faith. But if it does not impact this present moment, it's not biblical faith. Bill, and Michael, what interests me is that this particular text focuses on justice. It focuses on God making things right. Now, I wanted to ask you about that, because uh, in your own situation, this you know, you violated your honor, okay? You come back home. Well, justice to me seems like you should have been you know, you should have paid the price. You should have, uh, and, and so why do we call it justice when, I mean, why do we call this justice? I don't get that. Well, that's the interesting fact about the heart of God, mm. is that you and I think of justice in terms of retribution. That mm-hmm. is, you did it, you deserve the punishment. Uh, that can be translated in so many different ways. Mm. What God saw was that unless he took the initiative to take the punishment to himself, it would have fallen fully upon our heads, upon our lives. Every one of us 
would have perished because, as the text says, there is no difference for all have sinned. Mm -hmm. And the standard was the glory of God. It isn't that I'm a better person than you are Mm -hmm. or that anyone else is Mm -hmm. or that I'm an inferior person. It is that God saw the whole human family was in trouble and he moved toward us Mm. with a heart of compassion and in, wrapped his love, as it were, in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus, and he said, I'm going to draw men and women, young people, children to myself mm. through the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Mm. Dr. Lane, another great passage in the scriptures dealing with faith is this passage in Hebrews. Now, I don't know if you have a, a thought or a feeling on who wrote Hebrews, but, <laughs> but there, there is this, this idea of the, of the hall of faith that we get in Hebrews 11. That's and right. There's another part, though, where he says we fix our eyes on Jesus. Paul talks about Jesus as our present reality, and the author of, of Hebrews says we fix our eyes on him. Hebrews must be allowed to have its own voice in the New Testament. And our tendency, Wayne, is to interpret Hebrews through the eyes of Paul. That is, faith for Paul was anchored to the past. Mm. But the writer to the Hebrews saw faith in the life of the people of God anchors us to the future Mm. and permits us to experience and to know the objective certainty of that which otherwise would have eluded us. Take us to Hebrews chapter 11. Now, Michael, you've got the NIV uh, Mm -hmm. version there. Uh, If you'll turn to that and read that for us. And then, Dr. Lane, you've actually translated this passage yourself because you think there's a very important uh, element of this that needs to come through clearly. So we want to hear that in just a moment. But first, let's hear what the NIV, how it translates Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Right here. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. All right, that's the NIV. All right, and what you hear in that translation is the focus upon what I call the subjective. That is, it's our response. Faith is an assurance that I possess, that my hopes are well-grounded, or faith is the certainty which I possess that what I do not see yet has reality. What needs to be brought out, however, by the text is an objective side of faith as the writer to the Hebrews saw it. And the way I translate it, Wayne, is now faith celebrates. And that's important. We don't have a definition of faith here. Faith is. It is a celebration of what faith means in the life of the people of God. It stands apart from us. Yes. Now, faith celebrates the objective reality of the blessings for which we hope. The demonstration of events as yet unseen. Do you see the future focus? Mm -hmm. Faith in Hebrews is what Paul would have spoken of under the category of hope. Mm. It is what gives the people of God in the most difficult circumstances the hope that allows them to persist and is released to responsible uh, uh, action within the present. Mm. I have in, in the margins of my Bible that this this is only made possible through, again, your term, Bill, the disciplined use of the imagination, the idea of interacting with what we cannot see. Uh, what, what, does that 
push any buttons for you. I mean, that that that's a major idea for me. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you and I are agreed that when we come to Scripture, Michael, it's really important to put our to identify ourselves with those of whom it is speaking. Mm-hmm. It is so easy for us to isolate ourselves from the the experience of the people of God in the past and to think we're facing situations no one has ever faced before. The disciplined use of the imagination allows us to identify with those who recognized God was going to do something remarkable, and they wanted to be a part of it. Mm. And I can see the lyric here that you wrote, to see with my soul. Sure. Mm -hmm. And so in that situation, we need both Paul and Hebrews. Paul, Mm. faith is looking back to the cross. Faith is looking back to what God did through the cross and the validation of the cross and all that Jesus said he was through the resurrection. He is indeed the Son of God. Mm-hmm. But in Hebrews, faith is is the faith is uh, the, the the celebration of the reality that God has promised to his people. And there is an interesting difference between Paul and Hebrews. Paul works on a very familiar pattern in Scripture, promise and fulfillment. What God promised to do, he has fulfilled through the Lord Jesus. Hebrews works on a different pattern. Mm. Hebrews works on the pattern, what God promised, he has now repeated with new intensity through the person of Jesus. And faith is that which allows us to lay hold of the objective reality of all that God has promised. It Mm. will yet be fulfilled. Mm. So you see the future orientation. So I need Paul to anchor me with stability in the past. Mm -hmm. I need Hebrews to keep alive the expectation I've yet to see, all that God intends, Mm. and then to act in the present moment in the light of that objective reality. Mm. Actively fixing our eyes on Jesus, as as Hebrews says. Absolutely. And you see, what I like about the, the particular song that you sang for us, Michael, is the idea that we hear with the heart and we see with the soul. That is, we hear with the heart what God has already done, Mm -hmm. and we see with the soul what he has yet for us. Mm. And so my experience as a Christian is there is nothing more exciting, nothing more fulfilling, and nothing that keeps alive the expectation I have yet to see all that God intends. Mm. Bill, in just a moment, we're going to ask Michael to go back to the piano. There's another song of faith we want him to sing for us. Chorus of Faith is the song. But what have we learned here today from the Scriptures about our journey and its interaction with faith? Well, the first thing, Wayne, we've learned is we need Scripture. Mm. Oftentimes, we feel so busy with the responsibilities of the world upon us that uh, we say, I'll have to give up something. How easy and we it is. give up yeah. and it's so easy to give up scripture. We need scripture. We need the full witness of scripture. 
It's not enough to be listening only to the voice of Paul or only to the voice of the writer to the Hebrews or only the voice of Mark or of Matthew, of Luke or of John. We must listen to the chorus of voices Mm. that are calling us to experience so much more than we have yet experienced. Mm. And Michael, that sounds like a cue for you to go to the piano. (laughs) Nice intro, Bill. Thank you. (laughs) It's called Chorus of Faith. Here's Michael Card. Sing it with your life. Sing with your heart. Make melody with the words of your mouth. Mind that you listen. Tell it to others. Hear the chorus of Michael, what I love about that song is that it picks up the two aspects of the faith journey we've emphasized today. It picks up how God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ Mm. and took the initiative, opening his heart, making it possible for there to be a chorus made up of persons of faith. We live in a world that is full of sound, full of noise. It'd be proper even to use the word cacophony, which Mm -hmm. means just uh, uh, sounds that are merging and conflicting with each other. And in the midst of it, God speaks. Mm -hmm. And when God speaks, I want to be the child who listens. Mm. 
And even as you bring out the idea that the world is full of noise, which it certainly is, uh, contrasting this idea of a chorus, I think the other thing that the world wants us to do is to be isolated, uh, perhaps by the by the noise, to not be part of a community, to not sing a chorus, but to try to sing on our own uh, some sort of a meaningful song, make some sort of a meaningful song out of our lives, and that's just not possible. No, in fact, most of us would end up with a dirge. Mm-hmm. That's good. Were it not that, that's good. Were it not that the Lord comes and gives us the song of praise, the lyric of praise, and then what does he do? God inhabits the praises of his people. Yes, yes. Bill, we've been talking primarily to people of faith on today's program. But, you know, Michael, there are people listening who may be outside this circle. They may not be a part of that chorus of faith. And, Bill, I'd, I'd like for you to just say a word to those listeners. Well, God's intention is that when he gathers us around his throne, there'll be people from every kindred and tribe and tongue and nation. Mm. In other words, the arms of God are open wide, and he wants to embrace us. And I would welcome the person that I don't even know yet who doesn't know the Lord Jesus to come and put his arm around my waist and mine around his, and join in that chorus of faith together. Yeah, it is, it is an invitation to join in an ongoing sort of life that, uh, that is a song. And yet I want to go back once more, Michael, to that song you led, gave us before, to hear with my heart. Mm-hmm. Obedience to the call of God upon my life begins with an ability to hear. God creates that ability. So the person who's listening, who maybe for the first time is feeling these stirrings inside and they don't know quite what to make of it, that could be God at work right inside. Absolutely. And what Hmm. will delight the heart of God is the person who says, yes, I want to be a part of the chorus of faith. Well, that both brings back Great memories, Mike, wow. and also applies to where we're living right now, doesn't it? Well, as I listen to Bill, you know, just listening to his mind work, um, and and for those of you that are listening along, if anything I've ever written helped you at all, now you see where that mm-hmm. came from. Uh, Twenty six years, I was walking with that that man. I was holding his hand when he died, and uh, what a remarkable. Uh, privilege it is uh, to ha- to still be able to share that voice uh, along with the voice of uh, George Guthrie. I mean, this has been a this has been a great program for me. Mm-hmm. And, and what I would encourage you to do is, I mean, what Bill just said is, uh, if you don't know who Jesus is and what he means, uh, then go to someone who knows Jesus or go to the Scripture. Um, you're only looking for him because he he's seeking you. You're responding to to him reaching out graciously to you. Uh, and and for those of us who do know him, I think Bill would still encourage us to know him better, uh, to try to understand every detail, everything he said, everything he did. I can't think of a better way to spend your life. And that's certainly how Bill spent his life. Thanks, Michael, for helping us wrap up this hour together. I hope you'll take a moment and pass along your comments to us, share the link with a friend, or post a review of this podcast. Learn about Michael's books, his music, and conference ministry so you can expand what you've heard in this session all at michaelcard.com. 
We're excited about the partnership with our sponsors at the Christian Standard Bible when you visit csbible.com. This month, we're highlighting the day-by-day chronological Bible put together by our good friend, Dr. George Guthrie. This daily reading edition would be a great tool for yourself or a gift for someone who wants to start a reading plan in the new year. When you visit csbible.com, search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible. And when you order your copy, use the promotion code in the studio, typed with no spaces, to receive your 30% discount on CSB purchases through LifeWay. Search for Day-by-Day Chronological Bible, available now at csbible.com. We hope you'll join us for next week's podcast release. For all of us on the team, Ron Davis, Susan Sermon, Lance Mansfield, and our producer, Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to this edition of In the Studio with Michael Carr.